Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. everyone and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. And if this is your first time joining us, even more extra welcome. And you're probably wondering in that case why I'm saying good morning, good afternoon, and evening. And that's because this show is listened to live on iHeartRadio and I don't know what time zone somebody's going to be in. And also it goes to podcasts in countries all over the world thanks to all of my loyal listeners. And you can listen to the podcast morning, noon, and night. It doesn't really matter. It's on your control, and you can download the podcast on your favorite podcast platforms. Please remember that we love it. Love it, love it when you talk about us, when you share what you've learned on the show with your friends, with your family, with your compatriots, your um, all of your friends and family, because that's what this show is all about, helping you shift your perspective meeting new people with different ways of thinking about things to shift your life. And that's my joy. That is my passion. And that is why I love this show and having you, my listeners out there, reach out to me to let me know what you're learning, what you'd like to learn, and who you'd like to meet. And if I can have them on the show, I will. So let's get dive right in now with my guest today, who uh, I had to postpone from the end of the year because my sound-induced vertigo was really bad and I just couldn't do the show. And he was kind enough to say not a problem and that he could be on the show with us today. So, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I love the fact that the topic we're going to be talking about today is empowering kindness. And I've got the amazing Nathan Caldwell on the show today. So, Nathan, welcome. Thank you so much, Laura. I really appreciate you having me on the show today. Well, it's just so great to have you here. And Arlen Sorensen was the one who had mentioned you had a book coming out. And I always love when people I know through people are doing something that seems so different from what they do in their day job, but yet really isn't so different. And you're you're a geek. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but but you're not just a, a tech geek, you're a theater geek, and more than anything else, you are a kindness geek. Yeah, definitely. And uh, actually, that's what uh, I think you and Arlen and I all have in common, right? I think that we often are attracted to people when we see the style of leadership that they exhibit. Uh, that's in line with our core beliefs and our fundamental passions. Yet in this world today, um, Nathan, it just kindness has become a gimmick, a thing almost, where I remember Mm. growing up, kindness was just assumed. You were just kind, and the world seemed like a kinder place. And yet now we're celebrating, rightfully so, amazing book Mm -hmm. covers, empowering kindness. Love, love, love your book, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. It's small and powerful. I mean, there is so much content packed in your book. (laughs) I I just couldn't put it down. What do you think it is that has shifted our thinking around being kind? 
so I love that you uh, made reference to me being kind of a geek. Uh, growing up, I was really into comic books, and now, uh, flash forward, and comic books, every movie that comes out is based on those, that's based on comic book characters is like a billion-dollar movie. And so this idea of an underdog uh, being victorious over evil or over the bully has become mainstream. So I think that, you know, not single-handedly has uh, superhero culture brought that to the forefront. Uh, but I think that people uh, have kind of uh, gotten to the point where they see that they're tired of those who are kept down uh, just being pushed down. And now we're in the culture of technology is reigning. Uh, geek culture is in the forefront of people's minds. And so now you have people who used to possibly get picked on on the playground for not being athletic or not being super cool. But now those things are being celebrated because you have the intellectuals, those who are in the kind of geek realm are celebrated now as the heroes, right? They're the bosses. They're the entrepreneurs. They're the people who are coming to the forefront with solutions that everyone wants to be a part of. Okay. Yet we have that other side where mm -hmm. the news media, everybody seems to push to the forefront the, the bully, and they try to make yeah. them out into not evil. How do you respond to that? Yeah, and I think that's because uh, in a chapter of my book kind of goes into this, uh, that there's certain lies that we've believed, right? We've we believe things like nice guys finish last, and I'm using that term guys in the uh, inclusive sense of out of everybody. Um, and we just kind of accept that because a nice person doesn't go toe-to-toe -to -toe frequently with the bully to take them down a peg, right? That That's kind of not in the realm of, of the nice guy's uh, persona. Um, and the media does love to kind of sensationalize, sensationalize um, bullies or uh, bad things happening. Uh, but you will see that the, the stories in the media that generate the most impact as far as uh, emotional impact within people, motivational impact, it is those stories of the kind things happening. Yeah, I, we've seen it especially a lot with the Australia brush fires. When exactly. someone's rescuing an animal, they're not even showing people rescuing people or homes. All they're showing are people helping animals. And mm -hmm. I know myself when I watch it, the tears come, and I'm just like, what can I do to help? What, what else can I do? So it raises, and you talk about this in your book, the oxytocin levels mm -hmm. inside our body that when we see kindness, we want to replicate kindness. Yet, it doesn't seem to be taking over the world. Like, we'd all like, well, not all of us would like it. I, I know I would like it, but there's obviously some people around that don't want the spread of kindness. And I can't figure out what's behind that. Yeah, and I think that's 
because we need leaders to kind of recognize that in others and really build their teams around uh, elevating those who are kind and realizing that those are the types of people that make the greatest leaders, right? The people who invest in others, who help others grow, uh, rather than the people who, uh, you know, quote unquote, play the game or manipulate the system. You know, we need leaders who have uh, eagle eyes at identifying uh, real talent in people to grow others and then elevating those into those people into better positions instead of falling prey to others, manipulating them or kind of tricking the system. Um, you know, I, I love Simon Sinek and, uh, he one time had said in a, in an interview that if you want to see who's putting poison into your culture, just look to the trail of bodies. Like if you see somebody rising up the ranks because they've knocked people down or they've removed people, uh, they're constantly coming to you and saying, Hey, I really have a problem with this person. I think we should restart restructure. We should get rid of them. Uh, pay attention to that because those people who are just jockeying for position rather than taking a vested interest in others are the ones that you want to, um, kindly show the door. <laughs> but what if that person is right? How do you determine if that person is wanting to just get rid of people in order to elevate or if they really believe that that person is not the right fit? Yeah, and that comes from uh, analyzing character. And character isn't determined in a split second. Uh, it's over time. And so if a person uh, does need to remove somebody from their team because they aren't a right fit, uh, that that will happen. That can happen. Uh, but at the end of the day, you can see the statistics. Okay, well, you're coming to me. You're asking that this person needs to be removed. Uh, you've helped 10 other people grow and get promoted and contribute. So if you're coming to me with a, a problem with an individual, then I trust your judgment call on this. Uh, and then also making sure that you've given every opportunity for that individual to succeed, right? What, uh, what have you done to coach them? How have you um, kind of get, gotten to the meat and bones of the situation and determine, well, are they, they dealing with some outside pressures? Are they dealing with some additional stress that comes with uh, family dynamics or uh, different things like that? And understanding that these are people you're dealing with. They aren't just numbers. And, uh, you know, the quote from, I, I make mention of the quote from uh, the Aaron Brockovich movie where uh, the boss goes to Aaron Brockovich and is just like, hey, you're making this personal and it isn't. And the reply from Julia Roberts playing Aaron Brockovich says, this is my time away from my kids. This is my work, my sweat. If that's not personal, I don't know what is. And so we have to see it both ways and give people a fair shake that we are, uh, they've contributed a lot to working for us and we need to contribute a lot to them as well as an individual. Let's take a step back. How do you define mm -hmm. kindness? 
Yeah, for me, it's a matter of, and I, I mentioned a couple of these things in the book, uh, but it's a lot about self-reflection and making sure that we are implementing things for the betterment of others with the right motivation behind it. So I'll use a quick example, right? Um, a lot of companies will look at their competitors or similar size companies in their space and say, hey, you know what? They're doing some uh, philanthropic outreach, and we aren't. We should do some philanthropic outreach, right? That's sometimes the conclusion that people draw. Now, to analyze that, you want to take a step back and say, okay, well, why are we doing this? Are we doing it because we just want to stay toe-to-toe with our competitors? Uh, We want to have a good, squeaky clean reputation in the public eye? Or is it that we legitimately care about the philanthropic effort that we're going to embark in, right? And so that's kind of the approach that I want to encourage people to take is really be self-reflective in this and make sure that the good things that you are planning on doing are coming from a good place and not from a um, just an image standpoint, Um And there's a study that I reference in the book where, you know, there were uh, a group of people that were broken up into different categories. Uh, Those who did um, uh, philanthropic efforts uh, from an altruistic standpoint where they did it because they legitimately cared uh, versus those who didn't do any versus those who did it but for image reasons. And the results were that those who did it for the right reasons uh, ended up living uh, an extensive amount of years longer. And the other two groups were just completely comparable. So those who did nothing and those who did it but for image reasons or for, um, you know, personal gain reasons, there was absolutely no difference in the health of the individual or life expectancy. Why do you think that is? I mean, I would think that at some point when people are doing things, even if it's because they feel it's, you know, they should do this because it'll put them in a better light, at some point that would start to shift for them. Are you saying with those surveys that you saw that that doesn't happen? Do you think it's possible? For that to shift for people? Yeah, it definitely is possible for people to shift into that because what happens is when you are giving people the experience of uh, understanding what kindness for others feels like. So if you take somebody who you're mentoring and you say, hey, guess what? I'm going to take you along for the ride and we're going to go do this thing for somebody who really can't repay us. And that could be, you know, through your organization where you're donating time to uh, a group of kids in tutoring or whatever it may be. Uh, The first go round, uh, people may not get it, right? It may not click with them. It takes a little bit of uh, getting familiar with the process. It takes a little bit of seeing that you are investing in this to really start to reap those rewards. Uh, But there's also studies that show that even within the first go-round of doing something kind for someone who can't repay you, you immediately feel like people were surveyed to describe what the feeling was. 
some of them felt a high feeling, you know, not not in the uh, Cheech and Chong reference of high, but a elevated feeling of, wow, I'm doing something with purpose. Other people felt a warm feeling, but all all in all, it was an emotional reaction to it. And so you can train yourself to get to that point, uh, but the problem lies within your motivation. If you do not change your motivation, if every single time you are doing something just for the looks of it or just for appearance's sake and you kind of dread it and all of that, then you aren't going to uh, get those benefits from it. I've been watching this new TV show that's on. It's a Chuck Lore or Lori, I don't really remember how he pronounces his last name. Um, You know, he created The Big Bang Theory and many other shows. And he's got a new show called Bob Hart's Abishola. Have you heard of it or seen it? No, I'm not familiar with it. it. It's it's an interesting show because white man dating a Nigerian woman and how there's like these culture clashes. And mm-hmm. the episode last night was this single mom raising her child who she's like determined he's going to become a doctor. And the guy she's dating, he played Mike on Mike and Molly. Oh, okay. Your, your son seems sad and she got really annoyed because her she's like my son is fine so then she confronts her son and and says you're you're not sad are you and he goes no I'm not sad and then he disappears from home shows up at the the character the the white guy character's office he makes compression socks and the, the family can't find him, and the character says, well, why are you here? And he's like, I'm sad. <laughs> and the guy's, like, mm-hmm. all excited that he was right, that the kid's sad. And the kid's sad because he really doesn't want to be a doctor. He wants to be a dancer choreographer, which is, like, the worst thing that the mother could ever imagine, right, because she wants her child to be a doctor and right. have a good living and a good life and, and make a difference. And the, the mic the main character, the white guy character, he just wanted to help the kid and be kind. And it doesn't come, he, his in, I'm trying to get my thought out here. There was an idea behind this. <laughs> I promise you there was an idea. But my thought when I was watching the episode last night was here's somebody trying to do kindness for this child. Mm-hmm. And it gets completely misconstrued because the the mother didn't want to hear it because right. she she was like no that's not how you're presenting it and mm-hmm. took it as a an attack against her what do you say to that and and how if you're really trying to be kind are there times you should just not say anything not be kind because of the way it may be construed I think that's where I was going with all of that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there's obviously there's different circumstances that you, uh, you have to take into account, right? In that circumstance, I think it's a, a classical uh, conundrum, right? The um, child doesn't want to inherit the parent's business. Uh, they don't want to go follow the parent's dream. They want to follow their own dreams. And uh, at times you know, that there's wisdom in uh, steering people to follow 
after what they want, but there's also an appropriate way to do that, right? Uh, perhaps it's not to convince the child to just completely rebel against the parent, but it's to uh, speak to the parent and find a way to communicate effectively that, you know, this is this is where the child's path lies, and uh, they're going to, what do you want most of all for your child? Do you want most of all for them to be a doctor, even if they aren't happy? Um, you know, and I think it goes back to uh, what do we position in the minds of those we mentor, whether it's our children, whether it's uh, younger people coming up in the business or students who are reaching out to uh, network and connect or whoever it may be. Uh, I heard somebody, uh, a friend of mine, she's always posting really interesting stuff on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook, and I, I just gobble it up. Um, and she posted the other day that it's more effective to not ask our kids what do they want to be when they grow up, but rather ask them, what problems do you want to solve when you grow up? And that kind of gives a different mind shift, right? It allows them to uh, map out a passion. It also allows them to think outside the box. And in this world where, you know, uh, startups and entrepreneurs are, you know, coming out of left field and have these great ideas and great solutions, you know, it, it's that type of thinking is ripe for the industry that we have laid out before us. So you're going to get, if you are coaching people to think that way, a lot of interesting solutions out there. You're going to get a lot of new and exciting businesses that are created because of this. And you're going to get like a whole realm of industry that you never thought of before, right? You think of um, the streaming industry of Netflix and now Disney Plus and Hulu and all of those, you know, uh, Blockbuster didn't buy into that. You think of digital cameras in uh, Kodak, I think it was, didn't, uh, they had the technology, but then they didn't double down in it. And you have uh, so many examples of businesses who said, no, I'm not going to go with uh, a path of passion. We're going to go with the safe bet. We're going to stay with how we've always done it. And so I think there is some wisdom in sharing that with those who are coaching others, that it's okay to direct people into a bit of an unknown space because that's where all the breakthroughs take place. It's a fascinating conversation because the first time I ever had to let somebody let go somebody that worked for me, mm -hmm. my mentor actually said to me, the greatest kindness you could give that person is to fire them. Right. And I was like, no way. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he said, they are so unhappy, but they're doing this job, and nobody has said to them, there's something else for you to do. Yeah, And it was the hardest moment of my life to ever fire this person. And I didn't handle right. it totally perfectly. Um, but I did find out that later on he went off to a completely different career and everything was so much better. But he was mm -hmm. stuck in this, I must do this job, I must do this job kind of thing. And after he left, things improved in my own company in terms of the atmosphere and the environment for everybody right. else that was there. 
but it is so hard for us at times because we want to be kind. And Yes. Well, most of us do, right? Most of us want to be kind, <laughs> and they want our staff to um, feel kind, feel like they're being taken care of. And I want to talk about that when we get back, because in one of your chapters you talked about be careful how you describe your staff as family. Yes. And yes. we're going to talk about that when we come back, everybody. I am here with Nathan Caldwell. Um, recently wrote the book Empowering Kindness, came out on Amazon. I encourage you to get it. It's about how you can bring kindness into everything you do. And it's so worth the read. We'll be right back, everybody. Welcome back, everyone. If you missed the first half, you can catch it on podcasts on your favorite podcast platforms. And we've also just been picked up by Pocket Cast as another platform for your favorite podcast. And that's on any platform, whether you're Droid, Windows, Apple, iPhone, whatever it may be, Pocket Cast. We are proud to be there. And if you love all things podcasts, uh, Subscribe over at podcastmagazine.com. I am the category director for technology podcasts, and you can just read all about your favorite podcasts and some new podcasts that you may never have heard of before. You can get your free digital subscription at podcastmagazine.com. So I'm here with Nathan Caldwell. He wrote a fantastic book called Empowering Kindness, and I know him through my dear friend Arlen Sorensen. By the way, if you're listening to this, Arlen, I know you listen to the show often on podcasts. Get well soon. Really excited. Everything went well yesterday. So excited to know that you're going to be with us a lot longer on the planet, Arlen, one of the kindest people I know. So, Nathan, in your book, and just before the commercial break, we were talking about this whole idea of kindness being important to your business. And why is kindness so important as a business owner? Uh yeah, so, I, well, kind of backing up to something specific that you said right before we go, because I think it's a, a really important issue uh, to handle, right? You had talked about letting somebody go within your business who wasn't a good fit, who was miserable in their position, and then it ended up being better for them. And that's definitely uh, the outcome that you want to happen, right? You want your people to go on uh, to become better and to find uh, their song and dance that they can perform and, uh, you know, that they can be happy in. Um, but something that I think is uh, very concerning, though, is if uh, businesses don't first take that level of clarification before letting the person go. You know, you can't uh, just sweep problems under the rug and then allow it to build up and then finally kind of pull the plug on a person, right? Uh, right. This, is, uh, this is a life-changing uh, experience that people will go through, and it stays with them for a very long time. If they are let go from an organization without having clear understanding about why or if they didn't see it coming and they're kind of blindsided by it, you know, it, it hangs with them in, in their head for quite a while after that. And so it's really important that along the path, and I hear, you know, Dave Ramsey uh, use this phrase often, to be unclear is to be unkind. And I, and I believe Patrick Lencioni uses that phrase as well. I think it's pretty common, but the idea behind it is 
if people are meeting expectations or exceeding them, be clear about that. Praise them. Let them know. If they are not meeting expectations, let them know. And give them clear metrics about the ways that they can improve that. And it can't be hearsay. It can't be um, ineffective, nebulous. Well, you know, we've heard from some of your peers that um, you're, we're going to call it you're doing things the old way or whatever it may be. And then you're giving the person nothing to work with. No clear metrics on how they can improve. Uh, no way to, for them to clarify the communication and understand uh, where did I go wrong? I didn't realize that I was going wrong. I'm happy to change and give me the opportunity. Now, the problem uh, of when you would definitely let somebody go to is if they're refusing to change, right? If they're butting heads with you on the way they think it should be done and it's that's just not the direction of the company, then you're having a clear conversation with them about that and you can kind of come to an understanding. But... Uh, it's important that people just are not blindsided by this, right? Sometimes it's inevitable. Um, but then going into your question now about uh, why this is overall important for businesses and why that the, um, the mental health and kind of uh, mental state of an individual becomes a business concern or a business topic is because People don't have an on-off switch where they are one way at home and then they just come in and no problems come with them, no stress comes with them, and then they come into work and they're a blank slate ready to do whatever you need them to do, right? Uh, it's all one life. There's not this idea of a split work life. We're one individual and we carry some of that uh, with us in any, any spot that we're in. Uh, and the way that this affects businesses is then you have workers who, uh, in the, the stats are uh, that uh, there's a loss of $70 billion uh, in corporate America through uh, medical and productivity-related issues due to mental health. Uh, $12 billion of that is due to uh, workplace absence due to mental health issues. And then $11 billion is lost in just productivity. Uh, people being stressed about situations, people uh, feeling that, that depression. Uh, and, and these are very serious conditions that I'm not pretending to be a doctor and, and talk about uh, the nuance of how that's diagnosed or anything like that. But the reality is that enters into the workplace environment and as a business owner you have the capability to either contribute to the problem or combat the problem by providing uh, avenues for your people to receive increased levels of oxytocin and dopamine because you are providing them with programs and uh, the capability to be kind to others. As you were talking about all that, I had all these thoughts going through my head, and this time I promise you they will come to cohesion faster than that last story <laughs> I tried to tell. <laughs> um, <laughs> this applies, what you were just talking about I think applies in so many other areas, not just to paid positions. Um, I've been mm -hmm. on a number of boards, and 
shortly before my mom passed away, I resigned a position I had on a board. And I struggled over it. And I realized I had a lot of PTSD stuff going on at the time as well. But we had a new person in charge as a lot of board positions, the chairperson changes every right. couple of years. And the new person didn't want things done the way they had been being done. They wanted it done completely different. And I disagreed in my, my role mm-hmm. as the position I was in with the board. They wanted me to do whatever they said, whether I believed it or not. And other people said, this person will be gone in a year, just do it. And I couldn't reconcile that with my own value. Right. It went against everything I knew. And if people are like, you know, it's just a board position, just just let mm. it go. It'll all be over in a year and somebody else will be there. And, and I, I couldn't. And I stepped down. And then everybody stopped speaking to me because of that. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I, I totally get what you're talking about because if you can't fulfill your own personal values when you're working a job with kindness, with um, being all in, and it's a volunteer position, and all of a sudden you're seeing what you feel are values changing, can you ever shift that? I mean, is it from your research that you've done, Killing with kindness. I mean, I tried; it didn't work, and then finally, I just I couldn't live it anymore, and I had to walk away because I felt like the surface and what was actually going on behind the scenes were two different things. Right, and I think that you know that could possibly be uh, one of the conclusions or one of the outcomes that you discover that after you give your effort of trying to, you know, the expression, be the change you want to see in the world. uh, If you're met with stiff opposition, uh, sometimes you do have to kind of walk away and take your strategy, take your efforts elsewhere. But then it's what you should never do is be defeated by it, right? Don't hang up the the spurs because you got you know tossed off the the bowl the first time, right? Uh, you know your talents, you know what you truly believe in, you have your convictions, and, and that's one of the things that I talk about too. Is you're going to get a lot of naysayers. You're going to get people who say, ah, that doesn't have a place here. How's it going to affect our bottom line? Uh, what about this? What about that? And they'll put up excuses. And really, you don't have to overcome all of those excuses, but you do have to stick to your guns by saying, I'm sorry, I disagree. Kindness is right, and I believe in the positive outcomes it's going to bring to our organization. And so I'm going to follow through with it. And you will be uh, surprised, like in that situation, Maybe the only road was to step down and and walk away. But I've been in many other situations where, you know, you brought up Arlen, and and he exposed me to uh, a lot of different uh, strategy methods. And one of them is called the four helpful lists, and it's to ask the question of what's right, what's wrong, what's missing, and what's confused. And I like to apply that also with the analogy of a thermostat versus a thermometer. 
So you have people who may be a thermometer, and perhaps you've heard this analogy before. I have a thermometer. Okay, so a thermometer is able to just say, "Burr, it's too cold," or "Whew, it's way too hot in here." Whereas a thermostat can determine whether it's too cold, whether it's too hot, and then take action to do something about it. And so my goal is to always be that thermostat that says, hey, I'm noticing that it's too cold in here. There isn't a uh, program that focuses on this group of people. Uh, And go to the people and say, go to those who need to buy into it or whatever and say, hey, I see something missing here. And what I would like to do is lead this charge. Uh, All I need from you is buy-in. I don't even need any resources. I don't even need any funds for it. I just need you to say, yep, that's okay, and get it scheduled. Um, And I actually, uh, a specific example of this, uh, when speaking with uh, Joey Buck, he is the uh, chaplain for the Dollywood theme park. And if you know anything about me, I'm a giant Dollywood and Smoky Mountain fan. Uh, But anyway, I've talked to him quite a few times. And one of the things that I told him where he's trying to make a cultural shift uh, within the organization, and and he has a lot of backers to make a holistic approach to uh, the uh, benefits program that they offer their employees, where it's not just about uh, retirement benefits or health care benefits, but then they also offer some mental health benefits. They have a chaplain that's at their disposal who can meet with anybody and kind of be a somebody who consoles them or somebody who is just there for them that they can confide in. Uh, and they have a lot of, lot of other elements within the program. And so we were kind of talking about, well, how do you get something like that off the ground? And I said, you need somebody who is basically an evangelist in your organization and somebody who will get up and speak about the thought leadership benefits, the positive things that the organization believes in, uh, because you can't learn those things from osmosis. It has to be something that people dwell on, that they contemplate, that they uh, have an opportunity to hear and buy in on. And so by putting somebody out there who evangelizes those sorts of things, the, the exact culture that you have, uh, then you have an opportunity to open up those avenues of discussion. And the, the piece that I shared with him that I said, what you'll find surprising is that your culture evangelist could come from somebody internal who's just passionate about working there and will share these messages in an enthusiastic manner. In the Dollywood uh, realm, you might find a ride operator who just loves being a part of that company and will be your most uh, vocal advocate for the culture changes that you're looking to implement. That whole idea of cultivating a culture that attracts people who are wanting to make kindness part of their full-time efforts Mm -hmm. is, I mean, we see it with Southwest. Airlines. Yes. We see it mm-hmm. with Disney. We see it with several other companies. Those are the first two that come to my mind. Those companies say that their staff is family, and this goes back to what we started talking about before the, the national news break at the bottom of the hour. 
but yet their staff really isn't family, right? And the way we treat family often is very different from the way we need to treat employees, even with, with kindness. So yeah. why is it so important to cultivate a culture that attracts the people to kindness? What does that do for a business owner? And what are some of the first steps that my listeners could do, questions they can maybe ask themselves, Nathan, to begin mm-hmm. looking at their organizations and saying, do we have a culture culture that is about kindness or we don't? And if we don't, how do we get there? Or if we do, how do we grow it? Yeah, I, I think that you're, you know, you're hitting the nail right on the head. The first step is to ask that question. Uh, when people think of us, what do they see? What would they define our culture as, right? Because it doesn't matter what we say it is or the words we have written on our wall. Uh, what matters is what is actually exhibited to others. That's really kind of what our culture is. And uh, an organization that wants to be identified as having a culture of kindness then needs to ask themselves, okay, do, is that what we show? If not, why? What's missing? What can we do to make sure that we are being kind? What are people saying internally? What are they saying externally? And I kind of go through some of those steps uh, within the book and the idea of making sure that every step of the way you're asking, okay, does this show the culture of kindness in our onboarding process? Uh, When people are hired, do we uh, show that they're welcome? Do we go out of our way to make them feel a part of the group right from the beginning? Do we go out of our way to let them know that, hey there, we're happy to have you. We think you're going to bring great ideas, uh, but we have quite a bit of training that we want you to go through in order to understand what our culture is all about, right? We can't just assume that somebody is going to be kind or in the method that we deem as kind as an organization, right? We have to, when you onboard somebody, you give them training on like, okay, this is how your voicemail works. This is how your email is going to work. This is how we use this tool or solution. Uh, Here's our wiki or whatever. Do you ever stop and say, and here's how we want you to treat your coworkers, Here's how we want you to treat those people that are reporting to you. Here's how we want you to treat our customers. Here's how we want you to treat our prospects. Here's how we want you to treat our vendors. And uh, my argument is that that type of stuff is even more important than the technical training that they're going to receive. And yet so few organizations really uh, focus on it to the extent of, embarking on a change of culture through that. Uh, And then it goes beyond just onboarding, right? It goes to uh, ongoing uh, culture evangelism. Um, And I could go on and on and on about that, but (laughs) I don't want to take up too much time on that point. Well, it's a really important point, and it leads a lot into the subtitle of your book, Why Unlocking Power and Others Will Be Your Greatest Success. If we empower kindness, as you, as the title of your book is, to our, our staff, to our children, to our spouses, to our loved ones, what 
will that lead to? How will it grow our businesses? How will it grow our lives? How will it change the world? Mm-hmm. I love that this book came out when it came out, Nathan. No, oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, it, I mean, it truly is a beautiful book. And I'm sure since you're a good friend of Arlen's that, um, you know, Bob Berg or, you know, of Bob Berg, the Go-Giver book. Yes, yes. Empowering kindness is all about being a go-giver. It's not giving away the farm. It's not doing kindness to the point of you're bankrupt. No. It's by being your best self with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's all about considering how you elevate others. And when you ask that question of, well, what will this do for the world, what will it do for an organization? Uh, really at the heart of it, it kindness will, uh, it has this exponential effect, right? That you don't know exactly how great of an effect that you will have on another individual. And part of that is because uh, I'm speaking from, you know, geographically where we are, you know, we're both located in Florida. So I can speak about kind of the, uh, the culture down here is that people that I interact with on the regular aren't very comfortable with being vocal about thankfulness and telling others, hey, what you did here really meant a lot to me. And so we don't have this ongoing feedback frequently that shows us that we're going along the right path or the kindness that we invested in someone else actually changed their lives and it could be in the most unexpected way Um, one story that I share with a lot of audiences that I didn't write about in my book was actually when I was a teenager and uh, I was helping paint uh, the church building that I was a member at and uh, one of the guys who's you know uh, older than me a mentor to me and he's now the preacher of that congregation it started to rain and I got on my bike and rode home and didn't finish the paint job because it was raining. And he called me on the phone and was kind of upset that I didn't finish the job. And he just goes, what are you made of sugar? Are you going to melt? And even though that doesn't seem like an encouragement to me, it's everything I've needed. And I've kept that with me as like a quote directly from Nick, like Rocky's coach that I am thinking, hey, I'm not made of sugar, rain won't get to me, I can persevere. And so there, there, and I, now I've talked to him and I've told him he said that and I've kept it with me the rest of my life. And he's like, I don't even remember saying that. And I'm like, well, you made a difference and now you got to deal with it. <laughs> and so there's, there is a need for us to share with people when they've made a difference. But the reality is sometimes we don't even know about the uh, exponential effect that we can have on others uh, when we're kind to them. You know, my example is a little bit silly, but there are people who have had uh, others in their lives showcase kindness to them uh, that pulled them up from dire life circumstances and put them in a position to thrive and grow and be healed. Yeah, one moment of kindness that you don't even think about just 
holding open a door from somebody could shift somebody's mm-hmm. life who maybe just had many doors slammed on them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What one moment of kindness will mean to somebody. I want to make sure you share with how people can get in touch with you if they have any questions, need any assistance, where they can get your book. Yeah, absolutely. So the book is on Amazon. Um, the title is Empowering Kindness. Uh, there's like three little shadow superheroes on the cover if, uh, you know, visually you need to find it. Um, and my email is just Nathan at empoweringkindness.com. Uh, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, so I'd love for uh, people to reach out there and connect with me. Uh, I do have the website, empoweringkindness.com, if you want to get there. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely just love to speak about the topic and uh, connect with people who are like-minded and hear about what they're doing to also make sure that they're investing in others and, uh, you know, paying it forward, so to speak. Thank you so much for being on the show with me today, Nathan. I'm glad we finally got to do this. And your book really is a powerful resource for people wanting to bring kindness into everything we do. Well, thank you so much, Laura. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Remember that the right questions can change your life. What are you asking today? And now I encourage you to ask yourself with your business, is am I leading with kindness? Is kindness an entrenched part of our business? And if it's not, how I can do better. Have a great day, everybody, and hug someone you love. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.